Welcome, everyone, to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Buongiorno, Pete. <laughs> uh, Matt, you are far too young to have a podcast host as old as I am. <laughs> Today, we're taking a look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode 113, the final episode in the original series order of uh, season one. And we've gotten the back nine, so there's more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fun to come. Um, and uh, tonight's episode is brought to you by Cybertech Hyperbaric Chambers. For that time when you want to keep the big bad on ice. And the Hyperbaric Chamber came in uh, useful in a couple of uh, instances tonight. We'll get to that a little bit later on. It certainly did. It certainly did. And, uh, you know, it, it's giveth and it taketh. And Matt, Pete, I think it's worth mentioning, too, that uh, you said that there's more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to come. There sure is. Stay tuned, listeners. Stay tuned. Yes. That's all we'll say on that topic. And That's that tease is number with, two. That is with uh, an apparent. We've not 100% confirmed it yet, uh, only because we do not have uh, anywhere we can check it against just yet. But it appears that uh, after tonight's episode airing February 4th, we are done for the month of February. That is that is indeed what it seems. Although, Pete, I wasn't referring to that. Oh, I know but- you weren't, Matt. Hashtag spoiler Pete. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you, of course, were referring to some level eight news that we may be sharing in the very near future. But <laughs> just as far as that bit of news of the show of agents of shield being back on the air anytime soon the closest thing we have to some sort of confirmation on that uh star of agent of shield clark Gregg tweeted out just after uh this episode tracks episode 113 uh aired he said thank you so much for rolling with us live tweet style eastern region operatives okay represent over here in new jersey well what uh we hate the break (laughs) as much as you do so um matt not sticking around for the um the previews of the next week episode as he does i'm nearly 100 percent certain that i heard march 4th Bill Paxton was teased uh, to be in the next episode. I'm kind of stunned, not time grenade stunned, uh, dendrotoxin that, uh, you know, purple (laughs) purple tears stunned, but just figuratively, metaphorically stunned that this freshman drama will not apparently air another episode in the month of sweeps, but I would... um, Praise them for being wise and not going up against uh, the lame ass um, athletic spectacle that Matt loves <laughs> called the Winter Olympics. And I, I say think, that as a former one time professional sports writer. I think there's a couple of factors in play. And I think that fair's fair at the Olympics. Uh, like it or not, the Olympics is a is a, is a huge you know has a huge footprint. Less so at the Winter Olympics. I know that um, 
another one of my my television loves survivor it's normally starting right around now either the first or second week in february and um it too is not starting until after the olympics so i think we shouldn't we shouldn't look into it as a bad sign that that shield won't be back until uh until next week uh, pardon me until next month um some of it is just the you know the, the nature of the olympics and i think too listeners let's not forget the ratings are stable. The ratings continue to be uh, looked at as as the type of stuff that that would lead towards a second season. Um, TV by the numbers remains uh, very keen on it, uh, but ABC at the end of the day has to make they have to make the best schedule that they can make. And, and putting something up in the month of February for sweeps for that important ad revenue, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if they can if they can have Shield on. Uh, and and uh, you know at times that suit them, but then put the big guns out or avoid the big guns of the Olympics. You know, Shield has to play a role in this network schedule. It can't be what we want, which is the entire season dropping on one day. You know, it's not it's not all Netflix. So I'm okay with it. The ratings seem to be good. Season two seems to be at this point apparently inevitable. Uh, it's okay. You know, they need to do what they need to do to, to pay the bills at the end of the day. So. With uh, with that, Pete, I, I guess I'm, I, I I know I don't ever want to talk too much about the nature of Hollywood <laughs> scheduling and broadcast TV, well, but well, you know, speaking of broadcast TV, let me make this point though. Um, you know, on the schedule, and then uh, we'll flash back a little bit. But you know, so next episode apparently March fourth. Okay, what happens a month after March fourth, Matt? April 4th, yes. two months from today, yes. one month from the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, completely uh, serendipitous the way things are falling here. Okay, let's take the next couple weeks off. Let's come back. Let's get a skein. Let's get a bunch of new episodes in a row and feed us right in to that movie and the bounce that'll come off of uh that sequel there uh important the character certainly in uh the mind of one phil colson so i i think that's great and i mean pete double check me on my math here the the total season order was 22 episodes correct and we i had made an error in our last uh news wrap up uh podcast i said that we wrapped up the the original order we did not that was episode 112 the previous episode um, seeds and this was 113 tonight. So we have nine more. So this began the final 10 of the season tonight. And, and what a way to kick that off. Absolutely. And I know that the, the, the comment on our last podcast that we read from Paul Lee, the ABC uh, president was that um, the, the final nine episodes are a story arc. I mean, my goodness, how we haven't started that story arc with this episode. I can't can't quite imagine um, if not, you know, some of the Mike Peter, you know, Mike Peterson stuff in previous episodes. So I think that we're we're really prepped for a, a wonderful run of the show. And if it's going to come back in March, like, let's just say for the sake of argument that that there's let's just say that there's four to and I don't have a calendar in front of me, although I, I easily could as I do this. But let's just say that there's four uh tuesdays in march four in april and let's just say 
they're going to run maybe three two let's say they're going to run two tuesdays in may right oftentimes towards the end of may sweeps you know they'll put in you know a, a big tv movie or something like that so you could that, go two hour finale that's always on the table yeah. i think too so i mean again just by my by my back of the envelope math here um yeah it looks like we have about five six seven eight looks like we have like if my math is correct as i quickly look and try not to to bore the listeners here it looks like we have maybe about 10 or 11 um tuesdays to go so what i'm saying is yes it's a drag that we just had two in january one in february but we're hopefully going to come back with maybe not nine consecutive weeks but we're going to come back with a huge rip-roaring run here towards the end and again pete you mentioned this is a freshman uh show so on the one hand you say, oh, well, that means that ABC needs to shepherd it along and say, here, little freshman. It also, you know, they have the crown jewels that they need to worry about, the, the Grey's Anatomies, uh, et cetera. This is playing a role in terms of, you know, you can't run Grey's Anatomy every week. So maybe you have, you have a new this and a new that. I know they're not at the same time, but I'm just saying, as I said earlier, they need to use this show to fill some of that scheduling time. So I'm feeling confident, despite the fact I'm feeling, Pete, that, that, that we're not necessarily going to have a new episode for the rest of the month. I mean, it, it it's a trade off to be sure, but you know, get on the train because it's coming down the tracks. Woo woo! So with that, Matt, I want you to close your eyes for a second All here. Right, my eyes so are this closed, is Pete. a this is an audio uh, venue, but I want you to close your eyes. Should, should okay. our listeners who are not driving also close their eyes? Uh, those that are not driving can can close their eyes. They don't okay. need to. Okay, my eyes are closed. But Pete. Matt, I want to you know we'll we'll make the the edges of the screen hazy here for a second, and I want to just set the scene. Okay. Okay. So we have our uh, our rogue every woman uh, heroine uh, of questionable heritage here clinging to life Mm -hmm. at the end of a 13th episode. Her life hangs in the balance. We cut to black. Mm -hmm. Does this seem at all familiar? It sure does, Pete, at least for the, for the longtime listeners of, uh, of our various projects. And uh, I'm I'm definitely having a flashback to uh, is it two years ago or is it 1962? That I'm flashing back to <laughs> 1963. <laughs> 19, that 1963 too. 1961 flashbacks, whatever it was. They were 1960 but, flashbacks. There was a three year gap. But yeah, definitely for those not in the know, the uh, canceled too soon Alcatraz ended the exact same way with the the. Uh, the lovely lady of the show uh, shot and uh, and presumably on her way to the great beyond. Agent uh, Rebecca Madsen. Okay. And, and here's the thing. Uh, this show uh, was widely uh, believed to get at least a full so- season order, if not several seasons, uh, given the properties it is emerging from with Marvel and the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Disney. Um, but this would have been, had things, you know, not gone as well, this would have constituted the end of, uh, the run with a 13th episode. Um, now Pete, you keep saying that and, and you're, you are correct, but I just want to make it 
clear to our listeners, or I want to make something clear at least with this question, that does not mean that this would have been that this episode tonight as scripted would have been absolutely. The end. That's the point I want to make. But I think, you know, TV's a tricky game and you gotta hedge your bets in either regard. Okay. Alcatraz, they didn't think that would be the end. But they had to write it in such a way that it could constitute an end, but it could also continue. And really, that's right. a challenge behind every episode. I mean, yes, you know when you're writing episode seven, you're probably getting episode eight. But this could have ended tonight, correct? You, you yeah. could view this and, and that, all right, well, we never find out. What is Sky? Uh, you know, uh, we find <laughs> out uh, like Peterson is Deathlock and, and series. Okay? You could pick it back up with the movies. And then have Deathlock around for that. We are fortunate is in, as you said before, Matt, the ratings are steady. Uh, this show is healthy. Uh, this show um, tonight in particular uh, came together like none before, hmm. particularly with the unorthodox way we went at it for the better part of the first three acts. Um, this is a healthy, vibrant show. They're going to get their opportunities here, they're obviously messing with us emotionally, but here's the question I got to put to you, Matt. Did you get your Sky Death Wish here? Well, uh, Pete, it's funny. In, in, the, in the last couple episodes, I certainly have been backing off that desire. You know, she was downgraded from Wesley Crusher to Julian Bashir, and <laughs> I, I just felt that she, she and I want to make it clear, I've Obviously, I hope this is clear. I have nothing against Chloe Bennett as an actress. I think she's, you know, fantastic on many levels. It's the character that I was always uh, taken exception with. And I was just sitting here. I mean, this was a different um, character. This is somebody who, now that they've found out more more of their origin, as we saw in, in previous episodes, uh, has been tempered by that. You know, childish things have been left behind a little bit. And look... Let's take ourselves out of the, the narrative just for a moment. As uh, I believe it was Amanda on Twitter pointed out, is Chloe Bennett still tweeting from the set? Yes, she is. Is she yeah. still doing Instagram pictures? Sure. And I had said to her, uh, to Amanda, I had said, you know, you know, shush, willful suspension of disbelief. She then came back and said, hey, she could be back in a different capacity, which is completely true too. Right. But with all that aside... I wholeheartedly, again, willful suspension of disbelief, I wholeheartedly believed that she was dying. Um, her her performance, crying out for help and whatnot, was just fantastic. The double shot, that's TV code for your toast. That's TV code for we mean, we mean it. And we're not going to take you down to ER where Dr. Mark Green will take that nasty bullet out. Like, that's code for your toast. And right. Obviously, I suspect she's not toast. Um, but I, Pete, I was sitting here feeling I was feeling emotionally moved. I was feeling guilty for having wished this. I got what I wanted back in November, and now it's you know it's the blood on my hands. We, the audience, <laughs> that have called for you know I'm I'm, I'm imagining hearing you know, if I believed she really was dead, and they were going to do her funeral episode next time, and that's it. Thanks so much, Chloe Bennett. Put you on the bus. You'd be like the girl from the first couple, you know, the first half season of Melrose Place that you never heard from again. Um, <laughs> Colson, I was like, uh, no, we fans called for this. We got what we wanted. 
it's it's Nikki and Paolo. They gave us what we wanted in the end. Coulson told us we were bad. Her, she's she's already in the torpedo casket. You know, Coulson mm. saying, you know, of all the souls I've known in my travels, hers was the most human. Human. <laughs> um, well, let's let's get into our debrief proper here, Matt. Um, where we look at the overall arc of the episode. Uh, she's not dead. I never believed it for the, for a moment. Uh, despite TV code for we want you dead and, and two shots, despite Matt as Ian Quinn wanting her dead, I'm pretty sure oh, I oh, saw man. him at one point uh, put out a hit on uh, Sky as a character uh, at some point during our podcast meetings. It, it, it happened, you know, um, off air. But, um, <laughs> you know... We had had so much, and you really had to be ignorant in the blogosphere or in the Twittersphere to not know Deathlock is coming. I think they could have guarded that a little bit better. Um, yeah. And uh, d- d- despite the fact some people uh, seem to avoid it, and, and this was news to them, uh, with that tease at the end, which, again, if you were paying attention, was really anticlimactic. I'm fine with it. I was good with it. I want to know... Does he have business to carry out in that park there? Are those kids going down? Is 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 that guy he was looking at with the kid on the on the slide or whatever? Is he an agent? Uh, does he have business with the clairvoyant? You know, we we can look at that a little more fully uh, in level seven. We'll get to that in a little bit. But you know, really two tier episode tonight. We have the business on the train, which I thought was handled very effectively with the really kind of time-bending, mind-bending, you know, storytelling with the, you know, uh, what our buddy um, Mike uh, Warcry uh, on uh, on the Twitter there called the time bomb. Mm. Uh, So I'll give credit where credit is due. I thought it was going to be some kind of cloaking mechanism, you know, with the train and everything, no wonder they saw it go away because there was the lapse in time that, you know, we, we see, I, I dug how each act for the first three, you know, gave you a little bit of recap and then went a little bit forward. They, they broke that obviously in the second half where that would have been forced coming up against the drama of, you know, sky finding Mike Peterson, who she's had this bond with and, and is really responsible for getting him into the game. And then obviously the drama that goes on with her, uh, getting plugged twice by Quinn with a gun. I'll just add there. So it's clear, you know what we're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a very dramatic episode, I would say, uh, probably the second most uh, dramatic of the run. I, I do think that the magical place with uh, Coulson's uh, a, a little bit of a glimpse into what's happened to him was more dramatic. I think uh, Fitz was uh, fairly dramatic as well. But uh, yeah, for for my money, uh, good stuff, and it it delivered. Um, they they teased as well the game changing final act. Obviously, the appearance of Deathlock there that we need to go into his knee to see what that is. Um, by the way, Matt, and it, it's just a silly question, but you know, feel free to laugh at it or answer it. Um, why put the name of the guy 
of a character who's not yet been named. I mean, I guess I understand it's exposition without saying, oh, you're not going by Mike Peterson now. You will be known as Deathlock. But to have to zoom into the innards of his robotic transformer peg leg to find <laughs> out his name is Deathlock, I, I just thought, eh. Pete, I'm reminded of the um, Gravitron, Graviton episode in that that was an episode granted in the phase when the show was still, you know, getting its sea legs and all that. But that was an episode where I felt they slightly pushed like, Hey, Hey, look guys, we're, we're, we're doing a comic book story this time. And I felt that the only complaint that I had, that I had about the episode was, um, they wanted to make it clear to all the Marvel readers out there that this was Deathlock, and there wasn't kind of an organic way to do it. Uh, in terms of conversation, which P.S. is is the essential nature of exposition, um, is that it, it's not normally the kind of conversation that you would have. Good exposition it is. You sit and say, Pete, what has happened here? And you say, my goodness, uh, this thing fell from the sky. It was just flying overhead. Oh, Pete's just explained to the audience what's going on. This was, as you said, it was exposition without saying it, where they wanted to call him Deathlock, but there really wasn't an opportunity for somebody to go, ah, this leg is codenamed Deathlock, because why would you call a leg that? So they just wanted to have their cake and eat it too. And, you know, not a huge complaint. I mean, I think if any, look, if you're not into Marvel comics, you know, the Marvel comic books, uh, and you don't have that, you know, you didn't see this coming because of social media or, you know, stories in the entertainment press, what would you do? You would immediately, this is like, they're, they're trying to pick up a little bit, hearkening back, I think, to, you know, Lost 10 years ago. What would you do? You'd rush to your computer and you'd do a Google search. And instead of it being the numbers or being some sort of complex thing, it's a slightly smaller mystery, which is, Oh, this is like a cyborg guy. Oh, that's cool. It's been a cyborg guy thing all along. You know, the realization that, that the likes of you and I had when it was like, oh, it's Deathlock. And when, you know, when we kind of knew it was coming, but that first moment of, oh, man, Mike Peterson's been headed towards being a Marvel uh, character since day one. You get that when you're researching it on your own. So, yeah, I mean, um, and help me out, too. Did he? Is he decaying since he was put out of the hyperbaric chamber? It seemed as if the stuff on the side of his face, that the makeup increased in the brief period of time he was outside mm. of it. Did you pick up on that? I was struck by the amount of burn damage that he had. I was not aware that it was as much as it was. That said, I didn't get the sense, let's say, from the very final scene versus, uh, you know, when he um, is in the Italian villa. <laughs> I didn't sense that it got worse from the villa to the park. Um, but I can't. Yeah, I agree. I kind of had that floating around in my head. Very, very good makeup. Um, but I, I was just I, I was I, too, was a little unsure because I, I thought that he was more like, hey, he has some of the requisite scrapes and you know cuts on his face oh and he's missing a leg like i for example i didn't which I didn't we had seen before we had seen him without the leg yes i was uh, impressed again they they continue this show continues to impress me what it does with its effects budget um with uh you know mancini giving him the the best leg money can buy there the cybertech deathlock uh model 
that goes from uh, a little ring thing, look like a, uh, uh, a, a night night gun um, uh, waste basket to <laughs> a, a, a full length <laughs> limb. So yeah. uh, that was impressive. Yeah, it definitely was. And I mean, even down to, you know, the old Lieutenant Dan stuff of like, oh, he doesn't have a leg. You know, it was I mean, I'm sure at this point it's easy to pull easy enough to pull that off. But you pulled off poorly. People will know this. This was not done poorly. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, j- just to set up a little bit as as far as where we were in the context of this episode, uh, great uh, tease early on. And it had been available earlier. Um online to watch we have uh the bus briefing room and colson is laying things out that they've got quinn tracked down that Cybertech inc here employing a bunch of former military and mercs has this train that is uh traveling from verona i didn't quite catch i believe zagreb was the, the yes. destination city uh that's not in italy <laughs> right <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm going to check that right now. That doesn't sound Italian, but, uh, they certainly made it sound like it was Italy. So I'm, right. I'm going to, this is happening live right now, right now, Zag, Zagreb. Oh, that's in Croatia. Pete. Okay. And certainly possible, you know, uh, this is an undercover, uh, deal for them. And I just loved the way they played this for laughs early on. Uh, we've got, you know, Clark Gregg looking Clark Kennish in, well, I'm going to throw on some glasses and suddenly I am dad and Simmons playing the daughter and, you know, a nice piece of, uh, you know, the writers honoring Clark Gregg by saying, Hey, you know, there's no way you're old enough to, uh, to have a daughter my age. Um, well, Which, def- go ahead. I, I was going to say, as I said on Twitter, but I'll repeat it now. Um, I guarantee you that, let me just put it this way. I'll keep it classy. Greg has but... a 12-year-old daughter, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> go Indeed. Ahead. That said, I guarantee you by tomorrow morning in in certain corners of the internet, there will be there will be many, many poorly written pages of, of uh, fan fiction. I'll just leave it at that. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Um, we have uh, Fitz and uh, Sky who are uh, paired off together. Uh, speaking of fan fiction, there and, and the shipping, oh, yeah. uh, you know, um, Sky attempting a very bad Scottish accent. Okay, <laughs> before um, Fitz uh, Ian DeCacaster, uh letting us know how well he can he can speak the American. If you saw the Coke commercial. Um, in the Super Bowl this weekend, uh, and all of the vile uh, idiots who espoused the hate about uh, um, uh, God bless America, um, right? Was it God bless America? Um, was the song? I think so. I'm drawing a blank. No, America at the moment. Is beautiful. America, America the beautiful. Song. There you go. I was uh, drawing a blank being, in part because sung, sung in a language other than English. Yes, we speak English in America, not. American in America that <laughs> ran over. Um, and then, you know, really the, the kicker, um, we have, uh, Ward and may may in a, uh, a cat suit with a little different, uh, eye makeup. That's why at one point I was led to believe, is this maybe like an alternate universe thing going on? Was this goateed Spock? Is this, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, eyeshadow may, uh, happening, um, 
with the way that the train had disappeared. And then they were playing up a little bit on the bus, like the tech wouldn't work, maybe like it wasn't recognizing them. Not so much that they couldn't use it. There was a there was a uh, line. Oh, that, I see. It was a line that Coulson dropped. You know, oh, if they're anywhere on Earth, we'll find them. And I thought maybe we were heading to like an Earth Two idea that this was going to be that they got zapped into an alternate universe. We did deal with that alternate um, realm story earlier in the season, and I wondered maybe if if that could have been the tech. Uh, but great banter. You know, Pete, I, I, I had wondered too that maybe they were, um, maybe it was it was Coulson and Ward that were invisible, like they couldn't see the train. Yes. You know, if it was that kind of thing, so then they're going to wander on into the plane and be like, "Why isn't it noticing me? Oh, I'm a ghostly figure of my former self." Indeed, indeed. So you know, we we got that device again for the first. You know, uh, I'd say two thirds of the episode where we're, we're catching up to previous events. Um, we get a bloodied may who shows up and kills, uh, Italian agent, uh, Rousseau. Uh, Christophe Rousseau. I yes. think it was. Yes. And, uh, declares wheels up in five. Okay. We catch up with the may story with her little, um, you know, funny car parachute that she came off of, uh, the uh, the train with she found Coulson and Ward with the purple eyes, courtesy of the cybertech uh, device used on them. There, they were really kind of put on pause. Uh, she gets partially waterboarded by uh, the turncoat Russo, who's on the cybertech payroll, and promises that May too can get taken care of. Uh, and then, by the way, secret bad guy revealed at eight twenty-five. Continuing the uh, the pattern of revealing yes. the secret bad guy, you know, good guy turned bad guy at the halfway mark of an episode. Indeed, that misdirection, okay, which has become trademarked to this point. The cavalry then clears the room of all these uh, these bad guys. Um, they get back on the bus. Nice moment between um, Coulson and uh, May as he takes care of the scar. Um, and the idea here that, uh, the train has stopped and they catch up to it. Uh, and then we get all the stuff in the countryside, um, sky and Fitz then get their segment where they catch up and they get to the villa. And then we have the, um, the final act where, uh, sky is really kind of left in limbo. Yeah, I mean, and, and much of what you've just described is like the first 35 minutes of the episode. It really, really is astonishing yes. that this feels like it was a two-hour episode. The amount that um, took place, I agree. It, it was just incredibly rich. Um, I, I, and, you know, just so filled with details. Stuff like the truck, you know, the the, the truck in the, in the field that had been turned on. And we see things from May's point of view and all that. Just really, really... Um, you know, we've asked for bold TV, and this was this was a truly bold episode in its conception and its execution uh, and so forth. Indeed. Let's move it on in, Matt, to our next segment, uh, the dossier, where we'll take a detailed look at our bad guys. The first, as you mentioned, kind of cardboardish and, and really transparent, this uh, traitor Rousseau who uh, sells out our good guys. 
sells out the good guys, moves on to to the great beyond up there in the sky. And um, yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, a nice, uh, nice to see the actor. It was noted by a couple people on Twitter. He played uh, Chloe's husband on 24. And, um, you know, I mean, just kind of like a serviceable role. Um, what I thought was nice, though, was um, you had, his, you know, his role in the story in terms of um, the capper of the, the May Act was, of course, her killing him. And then um, I guess with the May stuff, that was probably the third time we were seeing the train storyline, um, perhaps fourth. Or I think it was the third time. So at that point in the May storyline, um, we kind of there was no more dramatic tension left. What will happen with May? We know how it ended. So his death kind of essentially becomes um, this anticipated thing. It's not a surprise that he dies the second time around. It's, it's kind of this uh, you know fulfillment of of what we know is to come. So a little bit of uh, May justice there. Indeed. Um, and, and let's be honest, you know, he wasn't going to carry the episode as a bad guy. He's a means to the end. And that of course is Quinn who was identified early on in this episode. He's the target. Okay. Uh, he's done some bad things. Uh, the worst of which we've seen to this point, however, is, uh, attempt to murder sky operating, as he says, under orders there. Uh, Matt thinks sky's days could be numbered. We know that uh, if we would look back, Matt wanted Sky off the show. Um, don't think it's, it's going to happen. It, hey, listen, we, we, we keeps it real here That's right. uh, at Fantastic Geek. Um, this Mancini was kind of a, you know, really kind of a, uh, a, a sidekick bad guy. Seems to be working with the tech. We never caught a name on the female that uh peterson uh put in a chokehold at one point uh and put and death death lock put the death grip on uh that lady um you know i don't know if we can class um mike peterson as death lock as a bad guy nor a good guy yet um his motives are clearly under duress with his son um, you know, he wants to be able to communicate with him, the clairvoyant who's pulling the strings on the other end. Um, you know, it really should belong in our level seven segment, but we're talking bad guys now. Did we see the clairvoyant tonight, Matt? And was he played by Stan Lee? Go. Wow. That would be amazing. Because yeah. I think that the cameo was just that. It was a cameo. Um, but I think it was slightly uh, slightly let down. That said, his line um, was was an absolutely wonderful one, um, which, darn it, I don't have it right in front of me. Just give me one second here. But mm -hmm. his line essentially about uh, um, crud. Because it's prophetic in the context. And again, you know, the writers are, are coming from an informed standpoint of their narrative but it was prophetic in that colson was around to hear it um and you know given what happens by episodes end with sky's life hanging in the balance um you know could this uh 
you know, king of cameos. Listen, the clairvoyant doesn't need to be a huge role on screen. Right. The The line is now, uh, now is your chance to do better. And I feel that we have been on a steady uh, uptick of quality of episodes for a number of episodes. Probably, frankly, I mean, we loved watching I Spy at New York Comic Con. Some of that was seeing it in the room with, you know, 3,000 other people. But it was also just a really solid episode. Um, so it's been on an upswing for nine episodes or so. Uh, a couple of bumps, bumps in the road here and there. But, it's, you know, it's been getting better. That said, this was a whole new level, even though we've been headed towards this new level for some time. And, um, you know... This is your chance to do better coming from the guy saying, come on, I know you can do better. Pete, I love your theory. I love it because he you're right. They just have him back for a couple of lines. Yeah, you and get then, him back. I am the clairvoyant and yeah. uh, here's Graviton. Bye. You know, I mean, it, listen, it, it can't go that poorly <laughs> um, as I'm scripting it right now. But uh, again, you know, you can do that. And uh, what a better place other than the, the cameo um, roles that, you know, a, a guy that really is the architect of so much of what they're doing could carve out than, you know, let him be a bad guy for once. Yeah. Let it, you know, you've put, took it on the TV show. All right. Every, everything's a little a little tinier on TV than on the big screen, obviously. So let him be a little bigger on the TV and, and give him that role. All right. You, you, you arrest them, you know, look, look at some of the other bad guys we've had and they've quickly been dispatched all in service of this clairvoyant. Who's to say that the clairvoyant can't be the same way. Oh, he's, he's now in Siberia in the lockup with, uh, with Emil Blonsky too, you know, with the abomination, which was a nice name check tonight. A really nice one. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah. And jumping the gun, with level seven there, but that's the way I'd like to see it go. Devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Could Stanley either through his own acting or through our perception of him, could he sustain a season ending bad guy as opposed to, I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned um, Blonsky played by the actor, Tim Roth, Roth, Ross, Tim Roth, Tim right? Roth yes. Imagine someone like, imagine you need some guy for two scenes to be in the chair and the chair turns around and says, you found me, Colson, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a fight out. And then the second scene is, you know, take him away, boys, take him to, you know, uh, could Stanley pull that off versus really reaching out for an actor who maybe is um, uh, such a smaller role might be, might be. Uh, I'll say somewhat beneath them. And I mean that, you know, no offense to the show or to the actor, but if it was Tim Roth for two episodes, oh my goodness, what a shock. Um, I think somebody who's a bit more serious or perceived to be serious might be a slightly better choice, even for the exact same role, which could be 10 lines, five lines. Um, just throwing that out there as a theory too. Listen, I mean, I think Stan Lee could have the gravitas to carry that. We don't know, or we're not in the writer's room to know what their end game is with the clairvoyant. I still maintain it's a transition to something worse. Um, oh, I'd hope so. And I think that, you know, he could hand that off. You give him, 
you gave him the respect with the cameo tonight. Give him a little bit more. He can chew a scene. We've seen this. You know, he's he was on the TV show where they on Sci-Fi where they made a, uh, you know, people had to make a superhero and right. you know, there he's with the Excelsior and everything like that. Um, you know, I think he could do it. I'd like to see him do it. I, I just get a kick out of seeing the guy. Matt, we have seen the guy a lot. He's at everything we seem to go to. Right. Um, you know, for Co- Comic Con wise, not you know, for his hey age. Pete, let's go get a slice of pizza. Yeah, oh, no, he is not Stan where we, again. we we go to get pizza. No, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I just think that would be kind of cool. Let's kick it in then, Matt, to level level seven here. Uh, I've already spilled some of my level seven uh, segment uh, beans. My thought that we might have been working initially in an alternate universe, uh, my theory potentially that Stan Lee is the clairvoyant. Let's talk Sky. I was surprised as the episode was unfolding that they didn't go for a more immediate route towards what I can assume is is where we're headed. Like, uh, Which is to say I was imagining – Oh no, there she is. She's bleeding. Oh, you know, side note, a lot of blood. Um, help, help. And in her weakening voice, I fully expected looking at the clock, oh, it's 8.52, it's 8.53. I fully expected, you know, oh, she goes limp and then she starts to light up from the inside or the room starts to shake or, you know, purple lightning bolts start to shoot out of her or wings emerge or, you know, something like that. Um I thought they were going to, you know, as as a number of people mentioned on Twitter, and we'll we'll get to their comments in a bit, um, the thing that makes her an 084, conveniently mentioned in this episode, you know, I thought it was going to be this Chekhov's gun moment of, she right. mentioned, oh, I know, you know, Fitz's line, no, I wouldn't want to meet the guy, I wouldn't want to meet an 084, and her 084-edness is going to be revealed. I was expecting that, and it was not. Um there's certainly you know, they're at an interesting point now because theoretically all they you know they're in they're they're in the sky over Italy now now Pete we don't live in the Europe but um and, and I know that we've been led to believe that uh, because they because they don't charge exorbitant uh, amounts for healthcare that therefore everyone in Europe is just sickly and has sort of kind of ghastly pus and teeth rotting out and whatnot because um that you know the only way that you can do medicine is by by charging as much as possible to the people who can pay it but could they find a hospital where it could be like because look not for nothing she has a double gunshot wound to the abdomen i'm not saying in real life that is to be taken lightly the show isn't even taking it lightly but i I, look i know nothing about emergency medicine Aside from what I see on TV, I would like to think if somebody got shot twice in the tummy right outside an emergency room at a major in a major city that they would have a decent chance of survival with May on ice in the hyperbaric chamber. It's kind with, of the with same sky thing. on ice. But anyway, oh, what did I say? May may. Sorry. With sky. She on may ice. be on ice. Indeed. Um, but uh, I think they were slightly overselling the, the the grave nature of it. You know, just like great, get her to a hospital, stop right. the find a doctor to stop the bleeding, etc. But where so, are they headed with it? Kind of level seven stuff. I have no idea. They've forestalled that decision for the future. What is the big reveal there? I I, I don't know. 
you know, we've had a number of secrets pay off in this show, you know, from, you know, the the uh, the base of, you know, which is confronted again in this episode. And, and now it's on the table in front of everybody that, you know, um, May and Ward have a physical relationship to the sublime. What is Sky now that we've identified her as an 084, as an object of unknown origin? Um, you know, I'm completely confident whatever power she has are activating as we speak. And, you know, she will throw open the door to the hyperbaric chamber and the bullets will, you know, plop to the ground. Um, and, uh, Simmons will have no earthly explanation for how she dodged that bullet. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It's the nature of, you know, science fiction storytelling to build up this drama and not to close this mystery of, you know, a number of episodes to this point. You know, um, the, the series creators uh, and showrunners, um, Jed Whedon and uh, Marissa Tancherone had been talking about the curse of the 22 episode season and what with Netflix and bin, binge watching and the, you know, the non premier cable model of 13 to 16 episode seasons aired, if not in very big chunks all at once. Um, you know, they're still dealing with what many believe to be an antiquated network model. So they've got to be able to amp the emotions episode to episode, chunk to chunk, and, uh, and, and still pull us along with it. I would argue successfully so here. I, I think there's no debate that it's an antiquated model, but that's not, I mean, it's going to say it's not, Jed Whedon and Marissa Tancherone's problem. I mean, it is their problem if the 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 broadcast model kills the show and you know everybody loses their job. This show but, is not going anywhere. <laughs> I, but I, I I certainly agree with that. I just I I think it's not it's not their problem to solve. In that, what are they going to do if the audience either imagine you know the audience out there for any show or specifically for this show is is clamoring for a serial story where you need to tune in in the beginning and you know you need to watch week to week if that's what the audience wants well that's what you need to give the audience or the audience is going to start to erode further but that doesn't mean that that's how it's going to get scheduled so i think they just need to commit to we're going to do week to week stuff i mean pete there uh something that we did not discuss in last week's episode because this isn't the once upon a time podcast is Paul Lee's comment that they fumbled the ball with the once upon a time spinoff. The original plan was the mother show um, would be on for, I'll make up a number. I'm not exactly sure what it was, maybe 10 episodes in a row. Then it would go in hiatus. Then the spinoff would be on for a chunk of episodes. Then the mothership would come back. Um, so that way the audience just had one thing to focus on in this similar universe. I think that might be a template next year if they do do an Agent Carter show, which, by the way, for in the last episode I called Agents of Carter uh, accidentally. <laughs> um, 
I would much prefer. They're her saying, agents. She starts Shield, so you know what? <laughs> I mean, it worked. I I didn't fight you on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, to me, a much more thoughtful model would be for them to say we're going to do eleven episodes of Agents of Shield. We're then going to you know, Agent Carter is only going to be a thirteen episode season. We're then going to do thirteen episodes of that, and then um then another 11 of uh, of agents of shield i don't know if that number works in the september to may time slot you know but but something like that pete where it's or maybe you know ha, you know whatever it might be start there where where we need to have consecutive episodes because pete we're we're all out there on twitter saying this was one of the best episodes if not the best episode so People who have been on the fence, people who are starting to catch up, people who said, you know, can I just start picking up the show at this point? Yeah, you can. I guarantee you could watch next week's episode, you know, the next episode to air. A casual fan could watch it, get the recap and go, okay, she's shot. There's some mystery about her. Whatever. It's a comic book show. Maybe she's going to have a tail or wings or who knows. And, okay, there's this like half robot guy who's like kind of good, kind of bad. Great. And they could jump right in. But they're not jumping in next week. They're not jumping in the week after that. They're not jumping in three weeks from now. That's, like I said, that's not Weed and Tancheron's problem. Right. But it's their problem if the ratings are awful in, in, in March and, because and people have just forgotten. Yes. I have to counter that, Matt, by saying they were very good out of the gate in the number of consecutive episodes. I still think for... Uh, an hour-long drama, they've really cut down the breaks they've had in between. I mean, yes, we had two weeks on coming out of, uh, you know, the holidays. We had two weeks off. We're on. We're going to be this week. We're going to be off for several. But again, that's the nature of the competition and not wanting to go up against the Olympics that the hotel rooms are still not ready in Sochi. Uh, three days before, but that asu- that slam aside, okay, you don't go up against the Olympics and they know, yeah. all right, and, and maybe again, it's intentional or maybe too, it's like, all right, we got a couple episodes further along, but you know, we're going to hold these back and we're going to deliver the best possible product at the best possible time, all leading into you know, and think about it too. You know, February is big for sweeps. Okay, so you avoid a lot of the other. They, they they've calibrated the ratings based on the one episode they had during sweeps. This apparently they're only one. Okay, um, so you know where it's going to stand. Uh, no need to air it against what they will lose to in the ratings. Undoubtedly, the next two weeks in the Olympics. Uh, give it a week off after that, and and then you're back. And you know, while shows air episodes in March, they're not always new episodes. Because again, yeah. you know, this broadcast model that I I think we all need to agree just needs to go away. Mm-hmm. This is going to be such a better show when you can view it consecutively without. You know, the viewer wins with a Netflix with, you know, this this binge watch model. I mean, yes, it can go nuts. You can sit there and, you know, watch 20 episodes in a row. And and then it's like the Portlandia sketch with Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) You know, all right, I just lost my job. 
you know, that, you know, three more episodes and, and there you go. It's, it's Monday morning and where did the weekend go? Um, but I think this show has been really good about that. And I, I think they're timing it in the best possible way. At least that's what I want to believe. Pete, I think you've hit the nail on the head. You know, uh, you and I both have an affinity for Lost. We both watched it as it aired. And we knew uh, its flaws as far as scheduling. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, many of our listeners know I, I, I did the podcast Looking Back at Lost, uh, rewatch podcast that you were, you were a frequent guest on. And I remember watching the show as it aired and how frustrating it was to say, oh, all right, we just get one episode this month and it's like a Sun and Jin episode and it's going to be lovely and touch our hearts, but it's not going to be like the monster. You, wa- you go back and watch now and you don't, you know, it, it's, it's all you can eat. This show, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., would be so well served if they called up their partners at Netflix, you know, already have a working relationship because of the, the, the four, you know, the four, well, what I'll call the daredevil shows, for lack of a better word, you know, that, that, that slate coming to, to Netflix and said, what can we do to get this show on Netflix this summer? You know, obviously with an eye towards buzz for when season two starts so is it august 1st is it august 15th is it august 30th whatever it is you will add viewers my goodness amc is making money printing money off of walking dead reruns mad den mad men reruns there's a reason the breaking bad the finale had 10 and a half 11 million viewers it's because people yes. were able to catch up and say what is it, Pete? Is it worth watching? Because I watched the first episode. It's kind of weird. It's like Albuquerque. No, watch it. It's worth it. They and need to do that with this show. The show, as I did in the fall, I, you know, embarrassed to say I came to Breaking Bad as late as I did, as wonderful um, as it is. Did not watch an episode before September. Ripped through it. Uh, I was done shortly before Christmas. Yes, I had to really kind of scrounge around to get the final eight episodes that are not on Netflix. They hit in the next couple of weeks, but you're absolutely right, man. And there's a reason why breaking bad is the number one show, the most viewed show on Netflix. They, they really yeah. feed that need and you're right. You know, um, I got to wonder, I mean, Disney does now have a better relationship with Netflix and, and, you know, they have a lot more to come in terms of the availability of the things they're giving them. And they've been very good with Marvel. Um, you know, the, the reason I joined Netflix on a free trial a couple of years ago is because they had Iron Man two and I was on the fence whether to, to drop an actual, uh, you know, um, red box, on right. you know Iron Man two being a couple years old, or uh, to just catch it on uh, Netflix and you know haven't looked back since. Um, but all this TV talk aside, here you know it would help people catch up and and absorb these mysteries like what's going on with Sky, the ongoing you know uh, really analysis of of what has happened to Coulson, et cetera, et cetera. Is Sky going to get? Colson-esque treatment here as we head into that next block of episodes. We're just going to have to wait, but I think it would really aid the ratings of the show as you're suggesting Matt, to, you know what, make, make the first 13 boom, you know, March one, they're available on Netflix. Yeah. It's been done before. Yeah. 
Pete, before we move on, I just want to mention a couple little bits and pieces here. Uh, the act it isn't exactly level seven, but the acting out of Clark Gregg uh, when he's interrogating Quinn and when he cold cocks him, I mean, it was just scary great. He was so incredibly powerful in, in a non-paternal way that we are not used to seeing him kind of with that much rage. And then it was just matched by his urgency when he finds Sky. Um, just, I mean, what a what a what a performance out of Clark Gregg tonight. Um, couldn't agree more with the one exception. I do think this is coming from a parental um, nature of the character. You know, he has to protect okay. Sky. Um, and I dig that about him. Um, you know, there's the jokes early on in the episode, uh, you know, with the, the, the entirely too detailed explanation that Simmons has for, you know, <laughs> Coulson's fake daddy drama with the prostitutes, plural. Which was lovely. It that was, was fantastic. It was great. It, it, it's probably her best uh, dialogue of the season to date. And she's had a lot of really good dialogue. Uh, love uh, Elizabeth Hensridge, but Boy, uh, she she pulls off those glasses pretty good there, Pete. Having she, stood she, she fifteen does. feet from her, she's a pretty lady as it is. You put them on her, yowza. Yes, um, but you know the 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 worry that he has for uh, Sky is from a genuine place. This is not a team member. This is somebody he's vouched for, somebody he believes in, and. The, this is not just an agent to him. So it's personal. It's good, yeah, I think it's a good observation there that it is. I just kind of meant kind of the – when I said paternal, I was thinking of kind of, you know, the I'm the wise papa. And you know what? Ward, if you're going to do the SEX, at least you can call it SEX. You know, that from that kind of, you know, smart papa point of view. But you're right. That, that was fatherly rage. That was protective, protective rage. So um, with that, Pete – should we move on to decrypting some of our transmissions here? Absolutely. We have a bunch. We're going to start uh, with an email from my pal and yours, Mike Sorensen, who just continues to be uh, – well, I forget your exact wording, but certainly he's a, he's a provocateur. He's a raconteur. <laughs> he, he's a thought. And uh, his email, uh, which – we encourage so much from people. You know, we do podcast uh, right after the uh, the episode airs. Look, we've been we are now an hour into this podcast. Um, the episode ended almost ninety minutes ago. Feel free to send that email. I, I do always do one last check before we um, before we uh, get things going. So here's what Mike had to say. He says, "I love the story being told from multiple perspectives." And I love it being something far more interesting than a typical TV after-action report or interrogation where everyone takes turns telling their story. Seeing it uh, as more a real-time situation was well done, very Mission Impossible. And I'll pause his words for a moment. Pete, I think that's a great observation. This could have been a flashback episode where you go, I mean, look, we didn't expect May to die at the hands of Russo, but... you know, It could have been like, gee whiz, well, she's fine at the end and all patched up. When he stabs her... That was shocking. Right. Um, anyhow, Mike goes on to say, Sky's growing confidence in the field is nice to see. She understands, I think, how serious this stuff is, where before she was much more of a flighty girl who didn't quite grasp what she was getting into. It was nice to see that uh, she's figured out the difference between a safety and a magazine release, which, of course, Mike had mentioned in a, in a, 
I think that was in I Spy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he continues to say May shows why she's uh, shows again why she's on the team. Contrary to the popular analogy, she's not the mama. She's not there to be liked. She doesn't care if she's liked. She's not there to just be the bus driver. Colson said he didn't expect it to be a combat op, but May is there because the chance always exists. Colson's got a lot to deal with. He's going to be eating himself alive over the possible loss of Sky. I think it's going to either refocus him or put an even bigger fire in him. Either way, it bodes ill for the clairvoyant. Oh, I, uh, I think you know, he's, he's on top of it on a number of levels. This is for Sky. Uh, Mike goes on to say, uh, not a lot of character advancement for Ward other than being scolded for not being mature enough to say sex. He's still great as always <laughs> in the action scenes and no character advancement isn't a bad thing for him. This wasn't a Ward episode and he served his purpose more than adequately. Uh, and finally, Fitz and Simmons. Simmons was amusing with her dealing uh, with issues of poor improv. Of course, she's overcompensated it. That's the humor. But when it came down to it, she took charge because that's her specialty, the organics. Then Fitz shows a crack in his calm Scottish veneer for the second episode uh, after he was going to skydive after Simmons when he gets angry at the guy that hurt her. The, the extra shots from the night-night were a pretty loud shout for Fitz. Uh, then the end when Simmons is losing it over her inability to help Sky, who consoles her, whose arms does she welcome Fitz, of course, uh, we know Fitz felt something more than platonic for her. Uh, now I think she'll start to reciprocate. I would disagree with Mike there. I think that it was completely in line with their brother, sister, um, their brother, I would as well. It's, it is too late in the season to muddy that up. Uh, narratively with a, a, another uh, romance. Uh, I, I think it is what we believe it is, that it's that, that brother-sister relationship that they have there. Mike concludes by saying, Stanley uh, was there, cute cameo, was hoping for more. Uh, Deathlock, Deathlock is badass, but not quite complete yet. And they didn't shy away from naming him. He's not Deathlock by any other name. They showed the nameplate and made it completely 100% him. And Mike wraps up by saying, now on to the rest of this year and into season two, this I command, says the child of the 80s. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely. Um, um, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go, no, you go ahead, Pete. No, I, I think Mike's on it as, as usual. You know, the, the small uh, disagreement there about uh, Fitz and Simmons. We don't want to muddy it up. Um, but yeah, great points all. Mike's on. Mike's on indeed. Uh, <laughs> He's ready to go. <laughs> He's ready to go. Um, uh, now some some tweets from ZP International. He said, loving how they're showing each character. Uh, so maybe, maybe I should read his words properly here. Loving how they are showing each character. Uh, <laughs> let me try this for a third time. Loving how they are showing each character is getting their own slice of the story. Mike had a giant email. ZP International had a little email, a little tweet, and I couldn't read it properly. Um, Will Bizgrove, that's the Biz Arts, Biz with a Z, Arts with an S, uh, on Twitter says, I'm floored uh, by the episode. Too busy watching to comment. Great episode. Which, Pete, is I felt in that position as well, that it was just kind of like so good I couldn't tear my eyes away. Luckily, I can type without looking and 
you know, fantastic stuff. Um, Toya Marie, uh, that's Toya1682 on Twitter, says this is awesome. It is. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Natalie, I had commented on Twitter how how sexy Ming-Na was, even with blood and being blood all over her and being angry. And Natalie Cook responded, um, and how handsome uh, Brett Dalton is uh, when he's mad. I responded that we we'd take her word for that. But, um, <laughs> yes, we will. Certainly, an equal opportunity show. Um, Big Joe on Twitter says, "Can it get any better? I doubt it. Um, I think it can and it will, but that's nothing against this episode. I think that we are at the click, click, click of the the roller coaster." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. We also have just a couple other tweets here from from Mike that he then covered in his email. Uh, Stephanie Wings Steph with an F uh, said uh, orders, I guess, even uh, this is at at the shooting of uh, of Sky orders, I guess. But even Quinn seems disturbed, which I think is a good observation there. Quinn did definitely seem like he's not a man who's used to uh, needing to shoot somebody twice and let them bleed to death. And I think Sky is a person to him. I, I don't think he's as cardboard as, you know, the Russo uh character was or even the uh the one character who uh had been broken out of um prison by um the girl in the flower dress absolutely by the way it was uh i had mentioned amanda earlier it was amanda joyce who had um who had uh, come up with the theory that they would be using sky perhaps in some other capacity in the show so I guess I guess we'll see. That certainly would be a direction that I'm not uh, anticipating. Um, moving on, a tweet from Jacqueline Rogers. Um, she says, "Yes, so great. Hope Sky will be okay." I think we're we're all pulling for Sky here tonight. Um, and then, which is different for you. It definitely is. <laughs> um, I've come around big time. Um, let's see from. Uh, Abby Abby Knepner Knepner uh, who whose uh, Twitter name oh that's her Twitter name then she kind of goes by Fury's Philip J which I couldn't quite figure out but that sounds pretty awesome she said Coulson smashing Quinn across the face was probably my highlight of tonight's episode I won't lie um, and then Pete that that rounds out the the tweets but I think you have there for us one uh, one more little message there. Matt, we love when people listen to us uh, either via download at fantasticgeek.com or by searching Fantastic Geek on iTunes and finding the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast or one of our uh, family, PH, family of podcasts. Uh, We love it even as much when you take the time to thoughtfully uh, review any of our podcasts here, which, uh, you know, Matt will detail in a little bit, you know, we, we do for ourselves, we do for you. Um, but we have, uh, a review this week left for us by a uh, friend of the podcast, super Tim two five, uh, mighty Tim, uh, on, uh, the Twitter, And uh, Mighty Tim says, great S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, five stars. Quoting now, I first listened to Matt on Looking Back on Lost. I think he means Looking Back at Lost. Just a minor 
uh, catch there. And that available on uh, iTunes and by going to looking back at lost.podbean.com, by the way. <laughs> Just in case you need verification of what Pete was saying. Yes. And that led to the Fantastic Geek podcast from the flagship show to Alcatraz and to Revolution and finally to (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. I have always enjoyed Matt and capitalized uh, Pete's breakdown of all things geek. They definitely give it the – there's a missing word there – and I, I want to say give it the business or give it the respect, <laughs> uh, you know, give it the once over. And the MCU, the Marvel uh, Cinematic um, universe. universe in general, the right respect it deserves. High praise indeed. Uh, in a dark world where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is universally hated and critically panned, I feel like I should be reading this in my my trailer voice. In, in, a, a, world. D- in a dark world where <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is universally hated and critically panned, this podcast is a shining beacon. Even though I wasn't a fan of the first half, I believe he's talking about the show, not our podcast. This podcast (laughs) kept me going. The second half is definitely uh, keeping me more interested. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. And indeed, with Tim's kind words, I think it's no surprise to anyone that Tim, mighty Tim, is now elevated to mighty agent of the week. Tim, I will be in touch most certainly to send you out your button very cool and certainly very very well deserved there for uh for tim especially in light of those kind kind words indeed well pete tim's words have been so kind but but there is an army out there (laughs) that that raises you up i won't quite say messianically because that would be disrespectful but they they raise you up um like a like a demi, a demi lord, if you will. How can people get in touch with you on the Twitter? Well, Matt, two thousand one hundred and four followers can't be wrong. You can find me on the Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J K E T L A R K E T E L A A R. If you'd like to say hi to me on Twitter, I am looking back lost. Uh, you can say hello to the podcast at Fantastic Geek on Twitter. That's fantastic with a PH. Send an email to fantasticgeek at gmail.com. You can call the listener line, 732-707-1815. I wonder who the next person will be that might call that, Pete. Hmm. Is it one of you out there? It just might be. Um, and uh, lastly, you can leave a comment on the webpage, heading over to fantasticgeek.com. And uh, leave a comment on a podcast episode, an article that we might have written. Follow any of the links to uh, the, the Shield only page, some of our previous stuff, etc. So exciting times, Pete. A little sad that we won't uh, won't have another episode until March, but uh, we're working on a podcast for uh, for later this month. Our listeners have to know we'll tie them over. Absolutely, we'll we'll see what we can come up with. So with that, Pete, I will say uh, adios and uh, what's Italian for goodbye? I will say arrivederci uh, to everyone and uh, give you, of course, your final word. Hollow table on. Hollow table activate. 
Hall table. <laughs>